Claudia gets extra credit for judging an art contest and Christy gets extra credit for being a bossy cow. (laughs) These are things they would do naturally. Hello and welcome to the podcast at Dawn's House, because what the world needs most right now is a podcast about the Babysitter's Club. I'm Esther. I'm Karen. And I'm Aoife. And today we are talking about Babysitter's Super Special number three, Babysitter's Winter Vacation. Did either of you guys read this before? No, I didn't read this. Aoife, did you? Yeah, it was the first Babysitter's Club book I ever read. Oh, wow. My cousin Amy had bought it at the airport to read on her flight from Australia when she visited Mm. uh, when she was 11 and she had finished it and therefore didn't want to read it again and gave it to me a concept (laughs) I found hard to wrap my head around but fair enough free book um and I read it um I would have read it a lot I think before I then went and and got the first 20 books series on the through the buy and sell (laughs) so did you remember much then you probably did before I started reading it I remembered they went to a ski lodge in Vermont. Mm-hmm. I remembered very little of the actual details. I knew that either Claudia or Stacy, like, fell in love with a 20-something ski instructor who had a wife and child. Mm-hmm. And I remembered that the line, are you French-Canadian? No, I'm French-French, occurred <laughs> in the book. I was pretty sure that wasn't about that ski instructor, but I wasn't certain. Um, and until I started reading it, that was literally all I remembered. By the time I was halfway through the first chapter, I was just like, oh yeah, of course there's the snow sculpture and the winning sculpture is a yes, Cheshire cat and it's painted with food colouring, which I think someone is wondering whether that's cheating or not. And yeah, <laughs> this is the one where Mallory decides she's going to be like Harriet the Spy, but she's crap at it. And like, and, and it just before I got to the events, just the little reminder of the first chapter had half the book flowing back to me, but I still missed chunks. I like had completely wiped Marianne's and embarrassing letters to Logan from my mind. <laughs> I think that was probably you blocking out the trauma of reading those because they were so painful. <laughs> oh, I think I remember there was a, a small child named Pinky uh, <laughs> as well, but I had completely forgotten that there was a bus crash <laughs> um, like with elementary school children um, having to be minded by the Babysitter's Club. I had forgotten. And it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah, sure. it's not a very dramatic <laughs> bus crash. I mean, like two was- bus crashes. I know. I mean, I remember reading it now. I remember finding it pretty kind of exciting to think like, oh, what would that be like when reading about that bus drive? I identify more with the little kids than the the babysitters at the time. But like, yeah, um, it was all extremely familiar as I read it. Even the bits that I had completely forgotten then started massively ringing bells as I went. But at the start of it, it was literally, are you French Canadian? No, I'm French French. (laughs) <laughs> there's an embarrassing situation with an older man and um there's a kid named Pinky. I think whenever people discuss this book, the embarrassing situation with the older man always seems to come up. It seems to be most people's abiding memory of this book. I think it's just so embarrassing and terrible. Yeah. Like you can't erase it. I would have loved to erase it from my mind like Marianne's love letters, but I couldn't. <laughs> I just found the whole thing vicariously humiliating um, and awful. 
Yeah, poor Claudia. Do you have like residual fondness for this book, Eva? Yes, I really okay. do. Okay. Um, I really do. And I was like, I, I was, I was, I was actually really horrified and let down by Jesse's storyline. Yes. Oh God. Because yes. I wanted to retain the fondness for this book <laughs> and I just can't really 100% do that now. Yeah, no, like this book is six sevenths enjoyable. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. At the time, I was just like, yes, that all seems like a reasonable personal growth storyline. Don't make assumptions about people. But like, (laughs) yes, I was a very ignorant 11 year old living in a country where everyone was pretty much white. And everyone I knew certainly was. And I had never given it a moment's thought. Uh, But yeah, it hits different now. (laughs) Yeah. I've got to say, I think by the time I got to that, I was like, nope, this book has two of the just straight out worst babysitter well not Jesse's behaviour but two of the worst plot lines I've seen so far I'm totally out of patience with this book Uh, it's pointless it's meandering it borrows so many storylines from other better babysitters club books it really is kind of like a clip show and it leaves you fucking hanging on the ghost yes it really it really does it really does. How dare they? Who who ghost wrote this? I need I need their number. I want to talk to their manager. I don't think there was a ghostwriter for this. I was looking no, through the <laughs> Oh my gosh. To to see for evidence of one. I think this was all This is Anne's fault, I think. Uh, sorry. I, I think maybe this is clearly around the time she was starting to use ghostwriters though, so she was maybe extremely burnt out and was like, <laughs> Oh fine, Mallory spies on everyone again. 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 And it's like quite deliberately done again like she's like oh I'm going to do the same thing I did last time but better (laughs) except not better and that doesn't work yeah yeah like we've been kind of we've been noticing there's like there's types of book there's the like let's solve a mystery there's let's do a legal daycare there's everyone has a fight there's someone has an ill-advised crush and it's very embarrassing Mm -hmm. and this book just mashes up all of them yeah Except, like, there's no good mystery at all. Yeah, like the mystery is shit. Like, we're sort of teased that there might be a mystery, but there just isn't. It, it just never appears. And there's even a vague attempt at let's address an issue with Jesse's plot, which is also just terrible. Oh it's, my god. Yeah, it, it's all the Babysitter's Club types and none of them are done well. <laughs> no, no. And yet I, I still just read it suffused in a nostalgic glow. Um... I mean, which is obviously not the same thing as thinking it's good. Lord, <laughs> um, hey, I still like hackers. So. I think we all know there's a difference. They're not the same yeah. thing. I mean, there's also there's some genuinely quite funny bits too. Like some, yeah. there are there are moments of joy yeah. in this, but um, a lot of it is. Uh, it's also the first time I'd ever heard of Aruba or Vermont or I think Connecticut. <laughs> mm. So it was educational for you, at least. I mean, I didn't go get an atlas and look up these places, so not really. Vermont is somewhere where it snows. What, you didn't do background research on this book you were reading for leisure purposes? I never did background research on books I was reading for leisure purposes. I just sort of assumed I'd infer everything I needed to know. So my frame of reference for Vermont, and when I read this I was like, oh my god, again, uh, <laughs> is H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> it is It is the setting for... Um, uh, being lost up in the woods in Vermont and it snowed and you're stuck in the snow with uh, terrifying extraterrestrials who want to put your brain in a jar. Oh. Um, so you, I was really let down when after the snowstorm <laughs> and they all got stuck in the hotel. Uh, that didn't happen. 
There wasn't even a ghost, never mind extraterrestrials. Yeah. Uh-huh. And let us down. Um, I want to start with the covers. So the American <laughs> cover is like, it's fine. It depicts a scene that does not happen in the book, wherein all the babysitters are having fun together yeah. and appearing to like enjoy each other's company. <laughs> yeah. Is wildly misrepresentative. Uh, the UK cover also misrepresents them having fun, but with a really, really just upsetting twist. Where, like, you can tell who's meant to be Claudia and Jesse and, I guess, Christy and Stacy. There's there's an extra blonde. Like, th- there's, there's too many blondes on the cover. A surplus blonde. Yeah. A surplus blonde and, like, no Marianne. Yeah. But most upsetting is Mallory who appears to be some kind of middle-aged hedgehog woman hybrid. (laughs) Yes. Like, there is no way that is a child. No. It's just not. Her her head is the wrong shape. It just isn't real. She has a huge square jaw and her hair is like, that's not curly hair that is sticking up in spikes all over her head. Like, I'd accept that as, like, a picture of some sort of fantasy humanoid species <laughs> in like a Dungeons and Dragons ripoff. Somebody who lives underground. Yes. Ah, yes. These, the, yeah, yes. These, the Mallories are a hardy folk. <laughs> they live underground and survive mainly by harvesting mushrooms. You know? Their economy entirely runs on earrings. Okay. <laughs> earrings. But like... Her glasses are more like goggles. Yes, it's because she lives underground as a mushroom farmer. Oh yeah, that's true. She has to maximise light. <laughs> their hair gives their well, plus two to blows to the to armour from blows to the head because it's not actually hair. It's a layer of chitinous armour. Like, yeah, I'm going to leave it. Yeah. Can, can I also say that um, when I googled the Babysitter's UK covers winter vacation and it gives me, it's like, oh, did you mean Dawn on the Coast? Like, why would you <laughs> think that? Because it's a better cover. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to look at that. Here. Here, have a watermelon umbrella. It's much nicer. Yeah. I also really like that we're like, the two we can definitely identify as like, are the two who are not white. Everyone else is really, really interchangeable looking. No, the, this, the one in the yellow coat is identifiably Stacy from the cover of uh, the one when she goes to the beach and has a crush. Boy crazy Stacy. She actually looks like quite similar. Yeah, I guess I'm looking at a tiny image on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Fitting because the um Claudia falls in love with an older guy is basically a retread of that. Yes. <laughs> it actually I hate to say this, it's making me appreciate the Halloween one where they go to the other HP Lovecraft town um and uh, an older boy becomes interested in Claudia. And it doesn't end with somebody being publicly humiliated by. <laughs> yeah. it, they, they have a a they have a private humiliation by letter, which is the best way to do it. <laughs> I mean, that one was badly and half-assedly plotted, and it had a completely missing plot point. But it mm-hmm. still kind of felt like more effort went into it than this one. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, to be honest with you, I think that one felt like an awful lot of. It felt like um, whoever went to write it had all these great ideas and then it turned out that actually she needed to hand in the manuscript, like the first draft, in three weeks. And it was just, (laughs) the ideas were actually not going to come to fruition. It kind of reminded me with the drop plot points and stuff. It kind of reminded me of how I would, like, some of my my school essays in, 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 in... 
my school stories are out for homework where I'd be like oh yeah you know this is going places stuff is gonna happen here I'll figure it out as I go it's five pages and I need to go to bed (laughs) and I'll just wrap it up real quick (laughs) yeah definitely this I think there was no effort gone into it in the first place it was like they go to a ski lodge ski lodge things happen it's fine (laughs) actually what it feels like is like she had a set of those story cubes only it was like a babysitter's club themed set of story cubes. Yes. She just she rolled them and she came up with illegal daycare and fight and crush and yeah. just went with it. Yeah. I, I have to say the uh, the storyline that I that had always resonated the most with me was Mallory had kind of this two prong storyline. One, she's crap at being a spy, which is fair. And the other one, well, that I never liked that one. The other one was like she was utterly consumed with terror about going to a dance, and like, oh, Mallory, it me, <laughs> like, yeah, I was. I just sort of read this and was like, well, yeah, how else would you react if you knew there was a dance? This seems entirely correct and um, deeply implausible that she's fine with it and dances okay. I don't believe that for one second. <laughs> I think I vaguely remember the 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 assigned boy who brings her out of her shell and makes her enjoy the dance uh, showing up later. There is a Justin floating around subsequently. He doesn't have any personality. He has a name. That's about it. <laughs> He's in math class. That's enough. You don't need more personality than that. He's a boy. A boy is a personality, right? <laughs> to be honest, I actually kind of believe that from Mallory's perspective. Like, mm, that's yeah. actually fine by me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like just, it. She doesn't need to describe him any further. He's just, you know... He's male. A human male. <laughs> Presenting. He'll do. I mean, I guess to start, the premise of this is the usual sort of, we've got to find a way to get them all on holiday together. So they have this fantastically implausible ski lodge in Vermont, whose owners just sort of subsidize school trips all winter. <laughs> yes, because they're very rich, Aoife. What more explanation do you need? But like, they, they subsidize rakes of school trips, presumably at the same time that they have actual hotel guests, yes. which you think would drive away all actual hotel guests. <laughs> yes. I'm fond of children. I but I have to forcibly remind myself that they're just having fun and it's not their fault that they don't realize how annoying they're being when they're in groups of 20 plus. I can't imagine like something more stressful than staying in a hotel with four large school groups. I know. Yeah, simultaneously. And then being snowed in. Like that that is the opposite of a holiday. <laughs> yeah, these people are clearly just insane uh so they tell the the stony brook kids like oh yeah fundraise a bit and we'll just cover whatever you can't raise i'm thinking there's either some kind of tax grift going on Mm -hmm. or there there is some need to make the hotel seem full in order to encourage people to continue going there i think that having it full of adolescents would do the opposite of that though yeah it's worse yeah i think it's money laundering i think you're right money laundering sounds entirely plausible yeah or it's like oh this is a non-profit thing we're doing this is deductible there's something something is going on yeah there's there's something going on there because yeah nobody likes middle school age children that much no (laughs) they they also really really do not seem to have enough staff no um they, yeah. they actually, because Mar- uh, Ann goes around and interviews all the staff at one point, and it's like, there's like four of them and the two people who own them. I'm guessing there's <laughs> others as well, but like... 
I will say Marianne was only interviewing the older staff members who would have decades of memories of the place. So we have to assume there are hordes of 20-somethings. I mean, like, yeah. Guy is only one of the ski instructors. True. true. So And his whole family are there. <laughs> yeah. I think we can assume there's armies of staff that we just don't encounter. Okay, fair enough. Because they're not babysitting relevant. But yeah, I think you're right. This place is definitely, like, some kind of shell corporation. <laughs> Dodgy as fuck. For something, yeah. yeah. The other thing is... um. It is literally, and I don't think she meant to like summon this particular image, right? But once it's there, it cannot go away. Um, I know why she drew her breath in like that. It's because although the lodge looks big from the outside, you don't feel the vastness until you're inside. Have you ever seen that Stephen King movie, The Shining? (laughs) Remember the Overlook Hotel where all the scary things happened? Remember how big it was? Well, that's pretty much the way the lodge looks. (laughs) Great. What the okay. Hell? Why would you? Wh- why? Why would you call attention to that? Why would you invoke this? But also, do they expect the target age audience of these books to have seen The Shining? Yeah, because they shouldn't. Like, but I mean, these books actually have a kind of a really weird thing where they just assume 11, 12, 13 year olds have watched loads of <laughs> horror movies that are eighteens here. Stephen King specifically, like Marianne, is a like canonically a Stephen King fan it's really weird and she's also canonically a total wuss like this I know it makes no sense this yeah. isn't yeah like I, I yeah I don't think a lot of 10 year olds know in what the Overlook Hotel looks like well enough for this to be a useful reference like, but yeah I agree it's a really really weird thing to bring up and then you're expecting like murders to happen the whole time and they never do it's yeah. very disappointing <laughs> so, maybe that's why Mallory goes paranoid yeah <laughs> Oh, oh my God. Marianne's writing all this random crap in her book. No, I think the idea is that it gets excised out. These are the rough notes. Yeah, and these are the rough notes. It's the usual thing where it sort of pretends it's, it's that we're reading their notes like as in from the... But all babysitters and no Logan makes Marianne go something something. <laughs> 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 That's, what, that's the only thing I'm thinking of there. Like, I, I, I doubt at all that that was a, that was no. intended, but it kind of feels like maybe she had just watched The Shining recently and was like, that'd be a great setting. Does, <laughs> do we see anybody with a hatchet at any point? Are there twins? Is there somebody in a mascot outfit? <laughs> I do have to wonder if, what, am I just missing something culturally? Was it really commonplace? For people to go, well, horror movies are supposed to be scary, so, you know. And for, like, 12-year-olds to be watching this stuff. I mean, we probably knew some 12-year-olds that would have watched horror films, or did, if they could. uh, I mean... But, like... Yeah, my brother saw It when he was very small, but he feels that was a mistake. (laughs) Oh, God, your brother is the most clown-phobic person on the planet. That's why! (laughs) Yes! I know so many people who watched it when they were too small and are terrified of clowns now so many it's like a real serious millennial problem that we have older siblings who showed us it when we were small i didn't i was very scared of everything um i know so no like people's older siblings would watch it when the parents weren't out let the six-year-olds or eight-year-olds stay in the room or whatever and then terrified of clowns for life yeah (laughs) i was friends with this just absolute bitch in my area who um uh she got mad at me and she threatened to insist that I watched it to scare me um so I just didn't like I didn't go near her or play with her at all for ages 
And in retaliation, she got my younger sister and made her watch Alive. Jesus Christ. She brought her over to her house. I was like, I actually... Oh my God. God, I can't even remember what we did. I think my parents might have talked to hers after that. Although her parents were fucking not jobs and that's why she was so weird. That <laughs> is... Um, very twisted. It is It is so, so messed up. Yeah, that's the, the rugby team stranded in the mountains and cannibalism movie. So, yeah. I remember when it came out, like, and everyone was talking about it all the time. And I was just like, I have no idea why this is some kind of a debate. Obviously, it's fine. They would have died otherwise. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I think people are probably just like, ooh, cannibalism. Um, I, not, I guess... not like that there's a question of whether you should... <laughs> I don't know. I seem to remember it being framed in like when I read stuff for adults, like Reader's Digest or whatever. I remember it being framed as a, you know, is it ethically like, ooh, they had to do this. It was such a big, serious deal that they had to do this. And I'm just like, yeah, that's fine, though. I mean, I I think you probably wouldn't enjoy it, but... You wouldn't have been enjoying the whole experience. The the meat's raw and frozen. Of course you're not going to enjoy it, regardless of what animal it's from. You also wouldn't enjoy dying, so... Yeah, you would enjoy that more than death, probably. I know. This is is the the Reader's Digest. Is your baby a communist? Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Situations you're not actually going to encounter. Here's here's how you should judge the people involved. (laughs) Kind of. Oh man. Oh. So speaking of people stranded in a horrifying <laughs> group situation. <laughs> the babysitters, it's almost as bad as that, right? <laughs> I don't know. The way Christy behaves <laughs> kind of almost is. Yeah. Yeah, this is another yeah. Christy being her worst self book. Yeah. Yes. So can I just say she has surpassed herself in the illegal daycare stakes. <laughs> there are at least five hundred children on the premises <laughs> by my count. Well, she's not minding all of them. No, that's true. She um, she wasn't supposed to be minding any of them, but she yeah. managed to orchestrate a situation in which she was directly responsible for 16 small children, despite this being theoretically a holiday. <laughs> I know! And the adults are just like, oh, well, okay, I guess. You seem to know what you're doing, so... Yeah, I love that the non-study broken adults are kind of amused to be like, "What? What? why are we giving the children care of the children and then the Stony Brook teachers are just like that's normal where we're from and, then, yeah. and, and the Georges are just like okay then I guess yeah yeah. I think um, in, in this case there is a certain degree of like yeah we're just gonna if look if you don't let Christy do things like this she's gonna make trouble some other way <laughs> you should just let her have her head hey she managed to multitask she also made trouble for her peers <laughs> Like, yeah, not only was she doing this, she was, like, running the competition. So usually with the with the super specials, we kind of go through it character by character. So when yeah. we start with Christy's arc, such as it is. Yeah. <laughs> Christy's um, meltdown. Yeah. Um, Do we start with the whole um, emergency situations? That... Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, so, yes, they, they drive up to the ski lodge in Vermont. Um, there's a lot of heavy-handed foreshadowing that there's bad weather coming. Uh, <laughs> but they're definitely all going anyway. Um, absolutely bafflingly, at the very start, there's a rumour that goes around that their trip is going to be cancelled because of the bad weather. And so the principal puts out a message on like the local radio station to tell everyone that it's going ahead. Mm-hmm. Which... Like, what the hell? I mean, that actually kind of makes sense if your local radio station is actually local to your town as opposed to being for, like, 
a city and the surrounds or whatever. Or the state of Connecticut. But I just feel like him, I just have this image of him like self-importantly ringing up and being like, yes, can you put in an announcement to tell the kids that their school trip is going ahead as planned? And then being like, who are you? No, you see, this is Stony Brook journalism. Angry pigs go hog wild. Yes, I was going to say that. They need to fill the airtime. They're like, they probably have do this kind of thing all the time. Like I would honestly... This seems like if Lusk had had a radio station, this would have happened in Lusk. Like Breaking this is news. <laughs> this, the middle school trip is not cancelled. I repeat, not cancelled. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm. I'm pretty sure. Like I actually, I, I remember. I, I went like this time around when I read this. I was like, "That's so weird that it'd be on the radio." But that makes so much sense. Like it's not like you can email everyone. That yeah, that's really or reasonable. Text them. So yeah, there is something very ill-defined called a winter carnival that happens on this trip. Um, mm. A major component of which is the winter war, which is they do winter sports competitively. Is there any other element to it? There's a talent like... show and oh. a, I guess a dance. No, none of it is really carnival related. No, no. It feels like this. If you're going to have this many kids in your premises. You literally just have to keep them busy. Yeah. I was actually kind of nervous at the discussion of how it was going to go originally because it's like, oh, they just come for a holiday and they get to relax for a week. And I'm like, you're going to not leave them unoccupied? <laughs> really? Like, it's a miracle the place hasn't burned down. There are 382 of them. Of, of the, the Stony Brook Middle School kids. And there are a bunch of other kids as well. <laughs> and there would be one more, only Logan had to go to Aruba. <laughs> Yes, that's true. <laughs> Darn old Aruba. <laughs> Darn old island of Aruba. It's very I love that. <laughs> Why couldn't we have gone to Aruba <laughs> instead of hanging out in, in a shack in Vermont? Yes. So yeah, um, Christy is organising the entire like winter war thing and mm-hmm. captioning one of the teams. And I like... The teachers clearly just don't know her very well because this really plays to her worst personality traits. Yep. I think they're hoping to just redirect those. (laughs) Just give that energy somewhere to go um, as opposed to whatever else she's going to get done, which is inevitably undermine whoever else they put in charge. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. No one wants to be that person. It's going to be Rick Chow and he's just not up to the job. (laughs) No. He doesn't have the the hunger and the killer instinct that she has. (laughs) No. He just wants to be a 13-year-old boy and do activities. (laughs) God, stay to him. (laughs) So yeah, the night they arrive at the lodge, um, they find out that there was this busload of kids from a small underprivileged town who were supposed to come up for their winter holiday and their bus has crashed dun 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 they discover this because two of the teachers stagger into the lodge and collapse it's so dramatic yes it actually it's a good scene it's like yeah why couldn't we have had more of this you know yes <laughs> i was very into that I, I had forgotten it and then i was just like what Ooh, i have no idea what's happening and i'm yeah yeah but yeah they had walked two miles through the blizzard one of them with cracked ribs one of them with a broken arm like it was cool <laughs> yes it was exciting and it was the last bit of excitement yeah pretty much this this scene um Mrs. George, so it's the Georges are the couple. Did we say that? Yeah. 
Well, we didn't. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Mr. and Mrs. George are yeah. the owners of the the shady grifting hotel. Um, so they are like, okay, look, we'll get the bus out and we'll go back. Um, we'll take some of the teachers that are here and we'll go back and we'll save the students because these two teachers who are injured, they're going to have to stay here. They need medical attention. They can't go anywhere. And there's a doctor on site. So that's sorted. And there's, yeah, which is which is handy. And Christy is like, we'll go, we'll go with you. Me and all my friends who I haven't consulted, we will definitely come. <laughs> and then... Um, uh, my math teacher stepped forward. They're great with kids, he said. They'd probably be a good choice. Uh, Mrs. George looked at the seven of us. Well, terrific, she said finally. I think some adults should go along too, though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you think? I, I actually kind of picture the scene a bit as, they're, they're great with kids. They'd be, be a good choice. Can I have some more brandy? <laughs> yeah, you know who's well-placed to rescue these miners in an emergency? Other miners. So the hotel owner is three teachers from Stony Brook Middle School and seven babysitters go. Another we'll go, the babysitters club will go. The what? <laughs> Mrs. George looked flustered for the first time because this is not normal, Christy. No. <laughs> also, I, I think uh, in further support of our theory that everyone is an unreli- unreliable narrator in these, Christy announces... I knew that the club members were nervous but in control. Not one of them minded that I had volunteered our services. Children come first where we're concerned, and we've handled pretty many emergencies as well as large groups of children. This was something we had to do. Well, that's good to know, Christy, because you certainly didn't consult them. It's just as well, because not one of them would have felt empowered to say no to you anyway. No. Your crazy midnight rescue. These these girls all live for the drama. Yes. Yes, they definitely all wanted to go. Well, probably, yes. This is an exciting accident rescue with babysitting included. It would have been polite to at least catch their eye and be like, Hmm? Who's coming? Make a gesture, be like, hmm? That's not the Christy Thomas way. Do a huddle and say, right, does anyone, I'm going, who wants to come with me? Then yes. you can get volunteers. Like. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's not the Christy way. No, <laughs> she just, uh... she's the president. <laughs> yeah. She, she voluntold them. <laughs> so they go out, they get the kids out of their crashed bus and rescue the like badly injured bus driver who's smashed his leg. To be and fair, there's are... like police and ambulances and stuff there yes. rescuing the bus driver. It's not the babysitter's club. Uh, But I just have to, like, make a little detour and point out Marianne's absolutely whack priorities here. So (laughs) Marianne has been making a, like, documenting the trip as a gift for Logan because he's not here because he's in Darnold Aruba. And as they're, like, crawling back through the blizzard with all these traumatized kids, Marianne is like, hey, guys, can you help me with my journaling project for Logan? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I mean so she is later consistently like this level of obsessed with yes. her absent boyfriend yes um so that that kind of makes a certain degree of sense but uh <laughs> i mean it could also just be shoehorning in the premise for the book real fast <laughs> yeah that too yeah, i mean it would have been such a good moment to do that after they arrived back and were defrosting safe and <laughs> like, sound and yeah wow this was so exciting will you guys help me document it like, also like <laughs> timing so like when we reached the kids we didn't waste a second i took the first two i saw and separated them from the others the police officer looked revealed relieved why is the police officer letting strange children come and remove the other children (laughs) yeah um there's also a bit where they're on the bus and somebody has thought to do a head count of the children against the list 
of of uh, children that are supposed to be on the trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Christy says approvingly, oh yeah, Mrs. George took a roll call and two headcounts before she let her husband start up the bus. Pretty smart, I thought. That's not pretty smart. That's fucking essential. <laughs> you leave one of these children behind, you're going to have a frozen corpse. Like, <laughs> Well, look, the important thing so. is that Christy approves of Mrs. George's emergency <laughs> protocols. This is basic search and rescue. <laughs> Like stuff, and I have no knowledge of search and rescue. But you don't just randomly go. <laughs> All right, this looks like enough kids. Let's just scoop you up and go. We got a oh. passel of kids here, right? <laughs> that's a, that's good enough. Yeah, no one could complain. When I first read this, I was not as concerned as I was on my second read through about Pinky having frostbite and her foot. <laughs> oh yeah. Because she had no shoe. Yeah. She had no shoe and they were in the snow for as long as it took the teachers to walk through the blizzard to the lodge mm. and then the bus to slowly drive back from the lodge. Oh, were they not inside the bus? The no, bus because it overturned. Fled. The oh bus had my, overturned. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. God, yeah. that's... It's, the children were safe because of plutonium. Like... <laughs> They they could have literally just all been dead. <laughs> yes, they actually could have been. Yes, and then actually at bedtime, Pinky says that her foot didn't hurt before, but it is starting to hurt now, which is absolutely like what happens when frostbite is wearing off, I think. Yes. <laughs> but then the yeah. doctor says she sprained her ankle. Yes, so it's fine. So it's fine, mm. but she should have had frostbite though. <laughs> L- lest you thought exciting plot was turning up, it isn't. <laughs> Everyone still has all their toes at the end of this book. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Christy is um describes herself as running around like a headless chicken and then apologizes for using a disgusting analogy, but Watson says it all the time. So <laughs> that was I think also the first time I'd ever heard that phrase. <laughs> um so yeah, Christy is being a douche to Dawn because um Dawn is like trying to participate in the winter sports activities on their team, but she's not very good at it um, and keeps like falling over and stuff. Yeah, it's like she's actually just having a bad couple of days. Yeah. She is, or at least she insists she's actually quite good at all the things involved. And we, we've we never been kind of explained that Dawn is bad at sports. Yeah, no, she no seems it's not very bad. Yeah, so um, like there's... She's just having a bad couple of days and everybody is like way too wrapped up in their own. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> also, like the random other classmates are being really bitchy about it as well. Yes. Yeah. I mean, everyone, I mean, it's not only Christy that's taken this a bit too serious. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, poor Dawn. I really felt for her. And also my theory this time of reading it was like, oh, she's probably got, you know, that thing when you're premenstrual and you get real clumsy. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably what it is. Yeah, maybe. She's not normally this clumsy. That would make some sense for, like, why she has suddenly just become, like, a slapstick character. Yeah, why she keeps falling over and dropping the bat on the relay race and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Just... <laughs> so, yeah, Christy is saying that, like, um, yeah, she, she's not even going to bother trying to get Marianne to participate because the last thing they need is another klutz. Uh, she's absolutely heartless. <laughs> also, she yes. reveals that the prize for the Winter War is that everyone gets a coupon for one slice of pizza at some place in Stony Brook. The stakes are so low, you guys. <laughs> it's not even a whole pizza. It's one slice. It's about the honour of winning. Yes, yes. And you know it. That actually, I think, is literally expressed by Christy at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who doesn't remember? Who hasn't had some form of competition as a child where the prize was like an extremely crap plastic trophy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I suppose. 
You were not doing it for the trophy. You were doing it for the glory. (laughs) (laughs) They're now completely in charge of the kids from the other town because um, their teachers are incapacitated. So the babysitters club are just running their holiday for them now. So yeah, there's a, there's another bit here where Christy has volunteered them again, and uh, the, um, the 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 teacher is like, "You're sure this is something you want to do? It's not playtime, you know. It's a big responsibility, and it's for five days. We know, and we're sure," said Christy firmly. Right, agreed the rest of the club members. So, right, this is such a big commitment. I know. Like this was meant to be their holiday. Marianne and Jesse were looking forward to relaxing. I know. I think they they do actually do a fair bit of relaxing, and the teachers yes. who are responsible for the children also do take charge of them a lot. <laughs> yeah. but, As their uh, injuries allow, but yeah. Yes. I think it's more, I mean, this is all from their point of view. So they probably think, we're in charge of these children for the trip, but really probably what's happening is when the teachers need a nap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. Farm them out for a couple of hours to the babysitters club <laughs> and get a bit of a rest. Yeah. Wait till the painkillers kick in. You, you just can't miss up an opportunity for an illegal day- daycare when it presents itself. No. <laughs> exactly. Carpe illegal daycare. <laughs> what if illegal daycare, but in Stephen King's The Shining? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were those twins. Are there twins in this? <laughs> and the little boy. No, in The Shining. The, yes, ghost, yeah, the, the scary little girl twins. If only the Arnold twins had come along on this. And they're probably there in amongst the 385. <laughs> oh no, wait, they're not middle school. They're the little girls. Yeah. Thank God. So, yeah. I don't know. I imagined, oh, they, they think there were some sort of twins in the middle school who had no personality because they were twins. Oh, the Shillaber twins. The there we go. That's it. Okay. We can now assume that the Shillaber twins have spe- are spending this entire week going around in creepy flouncy dresses and asking people to play with them. Yeah, there are boy twins too, if you recall. Oh, yes, <laughs> the only people that they're allowed to hang out and eat lunch with. <laughs> yes, yeah, the unnamed boy twins. So they must be along as well. Oh man! So yeah, they they do a snow person building contest with the mm-hmm. small kids, and um, Claudia takes a Polaroid of each kid with their snow sculpture, which the kids are absolutely amazed by and entranced by, because I guess photography is new and exciting in the 90s and then they have in the afternoon they have the middle schoolers uh big serious snow sculpture contest which was the only one of the contests that i remembered i had actually completely forgotten there were sports (laughs) Uh, that seems like you know your kind of priorities i mean my kind of priorities is extremely on brand social anxiety and no sports So yeah, Christy is mad because Claudia is on the other team and Claudia is the judge because she is good at art TM and she gives first prize to a team from like a sculptor from her own team and Christy is like, how dare you? How could you do this? Mm -hmm. Um, Also, as a side note, I do find it absolutely hilarious that Mallory and Jesse's snow sculpture is so crap that Christy can't tell what it's supposed to be. (laughs) yeah uh it's a pair of ballet shoes with feet in them which sounds terrifying (laughs) yes Ooh, disembodied feet great (laughs) also ashley wyeth is in town and has entered the snow sculpture competition and is unimpressed at not winning yes (laughs) yes she's annoyed too it's just good continuity that ashley is there and like (laughs) because she should be there of course exactly the kind of thing she would do she has no other role to play she's just 
being herself. <laughs> yeah, and she works alone. <laughs> I like to think that Ashley Wyatt wasn't so much like, oh, Claude should have chosen mine as like, oh, Claude's choice for winning sculpture banal. portrays a lack of artistic spe- uh, sensibilities. Yes. You know, yeah. it, it lacks the Aristotelian virtues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would also love to know what Ashley's sculpture was. Like, I'm assuming it's a representation of, like, the concept of empathy or something like that. Um, and that's why she didn't win. <laughs> yeah, it's not really her strong point, empathy. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, Christy is then mad at Claudia because Claudia is not immediately running off to practice her skiing for later on and Christy thinks this is some kind of weird passive aggressive flex and then Christy resentfully like ruminates on the fact that Claudia is a better skier than her (laughs) and Christy's only the second best skier in Stony Brook. Yeah this is the first we've ever heard about Claudia's skiing abilities but like it's the first we've ever heard about any of them being any good at skiing or ever having skied. Although wasn't there a mention in a book before that Claudia's family went to a, a ski lodge in, in, in the winter? I think you're right, actually. Yeah. Yes. It's probably this ski lodge. <laughs> Was that when she threw a pot? Yes. 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 Yeah, so actually it is plausible that they're like, oh, Claudia's skied a lot. And I guess Christy has to be the next best because... Sports. She's good at sports, yeah. TM. Although this is... Other than like coaching softball, this is the, probably the first time we've seen her actually do a sport do any sports yeah and chronologically speaking um they they should have all gone on this same holiday last year at during a time in which we were reading books about them it just happened (laughs) and we never heard about it at all what even is time they did there just wasn't a book it's fine yeah they just never mentioned it at all they never ever mentioned it no like it did not come up no it was unimportant (laughs) i actually assumed when i read this book first that there was a book where they Mm. did last year's but that was before the series had moved on to super specials and you know yeah it was wasn't at that quite that churned out level yet yeah oh my god i cannot imagine how tedious it would be to write a book that's like the same holiday that I did last year for these girls. It's like chapter two, only it's a whole book worth. Yeah, it's one thing to have infinite Halloween hops, but infinite trips to the Vermont Ski Lodge would be for a week. Very challenging. Oh my God, I did all the disasters. Again. (laughs) Dear diary, still no ghost. (laughs) Oh my God. So yeah, Christy's worst point then is, um, so Claudia as we have alluded to, has a terrible crushing public humiliation. Uh-huh. And Christy is like kind of excited because she hopes that Claudia will be too upset to do well in the <laughs> cross-country skiing contest. Yes. Um, yeah. She kind of admits that this is terrible, but that this is just how she felt. So deal with it. I, I feel like, I you know, I'm okay with this. This is Christy's inner monologue. She did not express this. No. It would have been absolutely yeah. on brand for her to be like, God, Claude, you know. She did put it in the shared journal that she wrote for Marianne. No, these aren't, because we see it, because there was something said, I think it was at one of Christie's chapters at the start of it. Um, She kind of, when it gets to the print text and not the handwriting, says, as I'd mentioned in my journal entry for Marianne okay blah. so no this is not I always think of the the difference between the handwritten and the the text as being um the difference between the person on the television show saying 
Well, yes, yesterday afternoon when I was down at the old mill, <laughs> I saw that very man. And then the, the scene goes all wavy and you got that twinkly music. <laughs> and that's when it changes from handwriting to text. So okay. we're no longer getting a direct um, all right. narrative. Oh, that's fine. that's the only way you can actually have these books make any sense whatsoever because mm-hmm. they walk that really uncomfortable line where they're sort of supposed to be they have this little excuse for there being actually a text a text that is the book you're reading but also it very obviously couldn't possibly be the book you're reading <laughs> yes yeah yeah. yeah, this story that you're hearing. So in a, in a normal book, it's meant to be the the club notebook, right? Yeah, like no yeah. way. <laughs> no. Is, are these books the club notebook? No. no. <laughs> oh man. Um. So Christy breaks a boy's ankle <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Christy just bullies some random children into entering the cross country skiing competition who have never cross country skied before. And she's like, it's fine. If you can walk, you can ski. And they're like, okay. Which is not the case. Even even remotely. <laughs> that is fake news, Christy. <laughs> also, can I just say, she does not break his ankle. She causes his ankle to become broken, which is an important and relevant distinction here. Fair. I mean, in a court of law, sure. But in the court of public opinion? <laughs> she broke his ankle. She broke his ankle. Oh, no, I blame. I fully blame her. It's like, and she herself is aware that... <laughs> She is the, the instigator. She, she's gone too far, even <laughs> yeah. for her. So yeah, she like literally comes around to people's tables at breakfast and individually like collars them and makes them promise to cross country ski, which they all do just to shut her up. <laughs> well, I do like the table full of kids who have overheard her say, "Come on, if you can walk, you can ski." Who turn around and shout her, "We don't know how to walk yet." <laughs> I feel like that would have been us. Oh my God. Like, yes. If any of the sporty girls in our year had tried this, we would have turned around and given her just a big collective emo stare and she would have gone off like with a clear (laughs) affect of, yeah, no, these nerves are no good to me. We would have been no good to her. We would have all broken our ankles. (laughs) Yes, it's true. If it had been skiing and ice skating... I would have been fantastic. I don't fall over. Mm. Like my one sporting ability is a really good sense of balance. I only went like dry scrope slope skiing one time on, on a work trip. And it, it was very easy. I would like to go properly skiing. And I didn't fall over. I like going fast. We should do that. And like, I'm not, I couldn't do like figure skating. <laughs> um, I'm not great at stopping, but I can absolutely skate without falling over very fast. <laughs> so, you know, that's all the skills I need for the for a lot of these sports. Just don't fall over, go fast. And I would have been out there learning how to ski eagerly and participating. Yeah, I've I've been downhill skiing um as well and I'm I'm rubbish at every sport. Uh, and I wasn't great at downhill skiing, but it was actually a lot of fun. Um Yay. and as long as you get over the the um embarrassment of the emergency stop which is sitting down in your arse to slow yourself <laughs> it's fine if you just get used to the fact you're going to do that all the time um <laughs> it's it's great i have no sense of shame i should definitely go skiing <laughs> yes you should um we should we should do that yeah um so the problem with this is that it's not downhill skiing it has been established in the text that Everybody who wants to ski has already gone downhill skiing and enjoyed it and is done. And Christy is trying to get people to do cross-country skiing, which, as we all know, is not as fun. 
flat and boring. You are getting no help from gravity. <laughs> this was also the first time I had ever heard of cross-country skiing, so I really didn't actually know what it was when I read it first. Mm-hmm. I just sort of let it wash over me and learned probably several years later what the cross-country king actually consisted of. Yeah, it's walking on skis, essentially. Yeah, that's it. It's walking on skis. It's going for a hike, but you've got skis on. Yeah, that sounds horrendous. I can see why no one was interested in doing it. Yeah. So yes, uh, some poor boy breaks his ankle because Christy made him ski, even when he made it very clear that he did not wish to ski. Did not know how to ski. Christy tries to gaslight Stacy and <laughs> say that none of this ever happened, and Stacy is like, not having it. <laughs> and Christy snaps and runs away crying. I didn't think that was Christy... Being like, listen, Stacy, none of this ever happened, right? <laughs> Capiche? <laughs> I, I thought this was her going, I can't believe that happened. Tell me that didn't happen. It didn't happen. I, I'm in denial. I'm in denial. And Stacy being like... Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was denial, not gaslighting. But <laughs> I don't know. You guys have your reading of it and I have mine. <laughs> I, I think Christy is just trying to excise this from the record. She's going to start with Stacy and she's going to strong arm everybody else in this lodge, all yeah. 800 of them, into, including the guy whose ankle is broken. Jay broke his own ankle. <laughs> the paramedics, everyone. <laughs> yeah. This didn't happen. Okay. So, yes, she freaks out and runs off to the dorm crying and uh, Marianne talks her down and says, well, it's pretty bad that this happened, but you didn't force Jay to compete. You could have said no, which is a pretty terrible thing to say, considering Marianne wasn't there and Jay very much did say no. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then she she admits that Christy is pretty pushy, but she's a lot less pushy than she used to be. So thanks a lot. Great pep talk uh, all around. <laughs> I mean, like better than being like, no, Christy, you're not pushy. That would have been just insulting. <laughs> yeah, to everyone. Yes, most of all the reader. So yeah, eventually Christy admits that she's nice when she's coaching little kids to play softball but kind of insufferable when she's competing on her own behalf which Marianne agrees with uh (laughs) but uh her ankle breaking victim forgives her and dances with her at the dance on the last night on his crutches yeah there's a good question there about how how he does the dancing (laughs) I mean he's probably full of morphine because he only broke the bone like very (laughs) shortly before so I mean I have to assume he's sort of just on crutches and kind of swaying slightly. We we could have let him sit in the dance and be friendly. <laughs> he didn't have to actually get up to make Christy feel better. <laughs> Maybe we could have let the poor guy, like, he suffered enough. <laughs> yeah. Now, come I, on, author, whoever you are. I don't think Anne is actually giving any of the injuries in this book the realistic treatment they deserve. <laughs> no. That's what the Babysitter's Club needs, more medical realism. <laughs> So that's Christy. <laughs> that, that's our Christy arc. Um, I feel like now we should take things easy, kick back and relax, and uh, recap Stacy's arc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Such as it is, yes, let's do that. Stacy meets a boy and then is then off screen the entire rest of the book making out. Yeah, she meets a boy in a beer. That's it. Yep. Are they He's... making out or are they just... Oh, they're making they're out. They're making out. Okay, I thought they were like just holding hands and gazing into each other's eyes. Oh, no, they're, no, no. No, someone says she's seen them kissing and then Mallory tries to spy on them, but... Um, Be- oh, yes, because she yeah. wants to find out what really happens when a boy and a girl kiss. <laughs> kissing like, is what happens. Mallory, <laughs> you you've seen films, okay? That's what happens. I mean, 
I can't, I don't know what you think you could see apart, like that you could learn from observing. I think the next step is doing it yourself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like Like, spying on people isn't going to like, what? (laughs) You you know what mouths are. Like there's, there's not a mystery to it. You can't really see a lot that's happening because like, yeah, I I don't know, Mallory. Yeah. yeah. Poor Mallory. This whole book feels rushed. It feels rushed. (laughs) Oh, yes. To put it mildly. But yeah, clearly Anne just wasn't bothered writing any plot for Stacey uh, for this. I was like, <laughs> okay, she's smooching. Anytime you don't see her, she's off smooching. It's fine. Yeah, basically. And smooching. Yeah. Stacey meets a boy who is not French-Canadian, but French-French. But he speaks fluent English and doesn't even have an accent. Uh, he doesn't speak French. Any French, because he was born in the United States of America. And he's like, ooh la la, yes, I'm I'm so French, but I've been... Yeah, that's it. She, do you speak any French and he's like Chevrolet Coupe and then she laughs so hard she falls over in the snow and pees herself yeah. no that, that, it was actually kind of cute the other the, their meeting like I, I normally find the 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 uh, boy girl stuff in these books kind of excruciating but I was like no okay I'll take this I think probably because I was like oh thank god it's not key <laughs> I did I did find it hilarious that she feels sophisticated because his name is French yes <laughs> and He's French, French, but from Vermont. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. His parents are from Paris or something. So there's a weird, unexplored parallel here where um, Stacy meets and falls for this pseudo-Frenchman and has a successful relationship with him. And Claudia meets and falls for a... uh, Another French... An actual Frenchman. An actual Frenchman. uh, And it like goes horribly wrong because he is uh, as established <laughs> happily married with children <laughs> and also not a pedophile so and also not a pedophile uh and just really into giving her uh like a very good ski instructor experience um he genuinely seems to be impressed with how good she is at skiing and gives her like extra help and attention because of this he just yeah. generally is super into skiing he says she, yeah. she's a champion <laughs> a champion uh so but they why do they they've each met a comedy Frenchman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's weird. An incredibly sexy comedy Frenchman. Nobody comments on this. We don't get any exchange between them about their respective experiences. There's no, no yeah. nothing. It's just like... You kind of think the two stories are going to link up at some point and then they just don't. No. It's not even like Claudia's like, well, Stacey's having a romance with a, han- a, romance with a handsome Frenchman and I'm going to do the same thing with yeah. whatever handsome Frenchman happens to stumble <laughs> along, which you couldn't really guarantee in most circumstances. So she's quite lucky to like <laughs> located yeah. one. No, what are the Alps? I mean, they're not in the Alps. They are in Vermont. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe every ski instructor in Vermont has to be an accredited Frenchman. <laughs> Maybe it's like ballet teachers. <laughs> They have to yes. at least be able to fake the accent. Yeah, that might be because she, she she was wondering. We don't know for sure if he is French. He could be he could be Swiss. That is that's true. the other option that's presented to us. Also, yeah, he is his dialogue is written like a pantomime comedy Frenchman, <laughs> but Claudia being Claudia is like a cannot understand. Oh, what does it mean when he says this? Oh, he means this. Yeah. And also can't tell where his accent is meant to be from. I'm not sure I could tell the difference between a French person's accent and a French speaking Swiss person's accent. Eva would quiz him on his accent. Yeah, no, I, I would. You'd say 
I'm guessing it, he's from a Francophone country, but Claudia yes. doesn't quite seem to have made that leap. She's just like, he's exotic. Based on the excruciating eye dialect, he does seem to be from a Francophone country. <laughs> or at least what Anna Martin thinks that should sound like. Or he's on the run and is pretending to be French and is massively over the top. And <laughs> like, he's actually from Detroit. Yeah, he's hamming it up terribly. And like yeah. Claudia just doesn't pick up on it. Head kind of accepted. Yeah. I mean, we might as well do Claudia's storyline then now yeah. since we're doing it anyway, because um, that's basically it. Yeah. For Stacey. Um, yeah. Apart from Stacey giving Christy some, like, <laughs> crisp <laughs> advice. Yes. yes. <laughs> Stacey tells Christy to get the hell over herself and Christy runs off. That's <laughs> the other bit of plot that she gets. Yeah. I mean, it's about time somebody told Christy to get the hell over herself. So <laughs> Absolutely. Good. I do love that Claudia is absolutely disgusted by grown-ups having emotions. Um, early yeah. on when they when they're as you say voluntold that they're going to look after the um the kids from Conway Cove mm-hmm. uh, Christy <laughs> didn't even need to look at the rest of us for our opinions thanks she replied but we don't need to be paid we're going to have a great time here <laughs> the least we can do is help out some of the other kids you're giving a treat to and Claudia is like Ugh, well Christy should know better than to say something like that to an adult of course Mrs George began to cry because she was so touched us BSC members decided it was time to hightail it out of there I love yes. her absolute naked disgust at this <laughs> it's just a result of babysitters doing babysitter stuff where it's like no seriously <laughs> if we don't give Christy some kids to mind um, <laughs> you just don't know what she's going to get up to so you might as well find she's going to take over the damn hotel yeah <laughs> Yeah. You can't even running the the winter war is not enough. Mm. It's nowhere near enough. My favorite exchange though in that chapter is like we could help, I whispered. We could watch the kids. Christy smiled exactly what I was thinking. Should I say something? Nothing ever stopped you before. <laughs> yes. Ooh, if looks could kill. <laughs> Claudia as the the veep. Um her official job is to provide the room and the snacks and the phone line and her unofficial job is to be the only person with the clout to call Christy on her bullshit. Yes, she's a foil. I also feel like that, yeah, Ashley Wyeth turning up and nearly rooming with them feels like a Claudia-adjacent plot point uh, because Ashley Wyeth is Claudia's baggage. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're initially... <laughs> right? That's That's extra good for like... Like emotional baggage and also in the, she's the a right of the word baggage. baggage. She is a baggage. <laughs> An unpleasant Victorian woman. Yes. Yeah, they're like, they're sent to a room and they're figuring out who's going to share a bunk with who. And Ashley Wyeth just like materializes from nowhere and is like, I don't have anyone to share with. And then Christy like very, very ungraciously agrees to share a bunk with Ashley. And then they promptly leave Ashley on the floor drawing. And then they ditch her to go bunk with the primary school kids anyway. So. Yeah, then we yeah we never hear from Ashley again until she's annoyed that Claude didn't judge the competition correctly. Yeah. I mean, the unre- unreliable narrators in this have informed us that Ashley Wyeth doesn't have feelings. All she cares about is art. So this is fine. <laughs> yes, it's fine. Like, they can be mean to her. It doesn't matter. She yeah. wears bell-bottom trousers, so. I mean, they weren't even particularly mean to her. She clearly doesn't like them yeah but they also like didn't say anything to her when they left her alone in that bedroom like 
they, she was going to room with them and then they're like actually no we're going to room with some small children we don't know yeah. I, I think I would be I would feel a bit abandoned if the seven people That's I knew yeah. and left yes without a word <laughs> like that's that's pretty tough left her on her own yeah there's two options for this either there was meant to be an ashley storyline and anna martin was like i don't know i don't even know i didn't even fit the ghost in here okay like look we we don't have time for ashley i'm gonna cut that bit out or ashley is just like (laughs) a minor distraction (laughs) who is just so low on the like the pecking order (laughs) she could just be thrown down so often in these books someone will turn up and it will feel like in a tv show where they're like oh the actor was contracted to do a certain number of episodes so we had to give them a speaking part in this so here's ashley but like that's not how books work (laughs) you're just gonna walk in drink some orange juice out of the fridge and leave again and no one will comment on the fact that she doesn't live in this house Yeah, it was just, yeah, especially because it wasn't like they just happened to mention that Ashley, if, if Ashley had only been in the uh, sculpture competition, that would have made perfect sense. Yeah. Because sculpture competition, artist, great, someone else to glare, you know, just a nice little bit of flavor. That's perfect. But having the whole bunk thing be a thing and then they don't spend a single night in that room anyway. is really weird. It's just yeah. so weird. Yeah. Um, so yes, then Claudia goes for a skiing lesson. Uh, the instructor is hot. Everyone is awestruck. Oh, actually, yes, she describes how hot he is. And then he says, hello. All of students were awestruck, especially the girls. I do like the implication that the boys were also awestruck by his hotness. <laughs> <laughs> Men want to be him and the girls want to be with him. <laughs> exactly. Um... Yes, the, the way his dialogue is written is excruciating. Uh, mm. Claudia decides, if only I were a little bit younger. Sorry, if only he were a little younger. He looked about <laughs> 25. Well, maybe that didn't matter. I could fall in love with an older man, couldn't I? It happens all the time. I mean, to other people. It's so awkward when you've also read the the one that's set in Maine in the haunted house yes. with yeah. the creepy gardener. Well, that time the guy was Italian. <laughs> it's totally different. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, Jesus, I'd forgotten that. That wasn't the important bit. The important bit was that he was a college student. Yes. yes. Younger than he. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is it. Claudia says, I wished I could speak whatever guy's native language was. She, she presumably did not think that he was a teenager. Well, no, she says she thinks he's she, he's like 25. Yeah. She knows. Oh my God. I missed that bit. I was like, she, but she knows he's no, she just, far, yeah. far too old. Yeah. yeah. Like, she's just decided. And she's just decided that, 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 and it's not like, I don't mind the thing of like, oh, you know, I could have a crush on him. I could fall in love with an older man. Like, sure you could, but why would he be interested in you? Yeah. She, she's like, like that. She tells Stacy that he has a crush on her. Like that's the this this is the really humiliating stuff is that she gets convinced that he fancies her and it's like why would that I have never ever ever gone into a crush with the assumption that the other person likes me back I sort of embraced my crushes as being something that I had to deal with (laughs) so yeah Claudia with spectacular overconfidence has just told everyone that he has a crush on her which like good god no it there's also like I think he likes me, guys, is perfectly fine 13-year-old level discourse. Yeah. <laughs> just 30-year-old man with a child and a wife has just proposed to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Except he hasn't. Well, yes. <laughs> he patted her back because she did well at skiing. And she's like, is that a tiny hug? No, it was not. <laughs> yes, there's no such thing as a tiny hug that is basically the same as a back pat. Those are different <laughs> gestures. Like, the, And a tiny hug is generally going to be on the awkward spectrum rather than the... <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, That's like, like a, are we going to handshake or... I don't know here. No. Yeah. It, it was a back pat. It was not a tiny hug. Tiny hugs are not a thing. The wishful thinking <laughs> is blatant. He patted her on the back and his arm was slightly bent, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. He was trying to pat her on the back without getting too close to her is what he was doing. <laughs> yes. So that she wouldn't get the wrong idea. Bless. So, yeah, he is very encouraging and supportive of her ski skills. Um, while he's giving her a skiing lesson, she's having elaborate fantasies about sitting in a darkened restaurant with him, um, at a quiet, intimate table with a candle on the table. Mm. So that's how you know the place is classy. Or, uh, strolling on a beach at sunset with palm trees and coconuts. Well, her the first fantasy we ever see her have is her going off in the snow. Oh yeah, they're getting somewhere. snowed in on a school trip in the hedge maze. Oh my god, she's psychic. <laughs> she she's all this coming. She knew there was going to be romance on a snowy school trip. <laughs> the hedge maze is, you know, inaccurate, but you can't have everything. I think it's just great how much more effort she puts into the scene setting than anything she actually imagines happening. Yes. It's a Yes. It's 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 kind of befitting for the age. Also, don't have detailed romantic fantasies while with Nenement. <laughs> Yeah, no. no, not while you're skiing. Can't emphasize that enough. Have them in the ski lift on the way back up. Exactly. Yeah. Did you guys ever play this like really ridiculous nineties computer game called Ski? No. The one where it's just you just have to dodge the trees and stuff. Yeah, you you um you're just playing a tiny skier and you go you go down the slope and you dodge skier uh and you dodge the trees and things as Eva describes and um there are only two things that happen one of which is that if you go past if you keep skiing past the finale. Eventually the abominable snowman comes out and eats you. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that can happen if you're very good at it is uh, if you, there's like trees with leaves on and trees that are dead trees with no leaves. And if you run into one of the dead trees fast enough, it goes on fire. <laughs> Those are the two things that happen in this. I'm just picturing Claudia kind of merrily sitting down. <laughs> having a little abominable snowman coming out. To, well, no, more that she'd ski into a Oh my God, there's tree. a forest fire. Claudia. <laughs> I'm sorry, I went too fast. This is why romance is bad, kids. <laughs> and that's the end of the book. Yep. We've all learned a lesson. So yeah, Chris, uh, Claudia, they lose in the downhill skiing contest. Uh, Christy is a douche about it. Um, Rick Chow points out that uh, Christy is short, for cross, short of cross-country skiers for the next day, which sets... Christy and the unfortunate Jay up for a fall. Mm-hmm. Claudia announces yet again to the Babysitters Club that Guy really likes her. Uh, Marianne's like, but he's too old for you. Age doesn't matter, I replied, trying to sound as wise as my grandmother Mimi would have sounded if she'd still been alive. <laughs> I don't think that's what Mimi would have said about this situation, Claudia. <laughs> no. No, it's not. <laughs> no. Uh, and yes, then... Claudia meets Guy and he introduces her to his uh, beautiful wife and children. And (laughs) isn't it ironic? Don't you think? (laughs) He has definitely got wise to the situation and is like, better trot out the big guns. Yeah. My my delightful family. My extremely age appropriate wife. (laughs) Yeah. 
And obviously this like breaks Claudia's heart. Yes. Yes. Although she does remember that she's still quasi dating Will Yamakawa from summer camp. So all is not lost. <laughs> yeah. She was like, and then I thought, thank goodness for Will. I've still got Will. But my feelings had been wounded. Wow. I'm just glad will isn't here to see this whole <laughs> no. turn up for the books like yeah i also like how um when Guy and his family left our table was silent no one said a word not even christy in fact she put her arm around me for a moment yeah well like we know what she's thinking what she's thinking is maybe claudia will lose now <laughs> yes that's quite possibly the arm around was the guilty moment after she realized <laughs> that she should not be thinking that but has already thought it <laughs> If Claudia and Christy had been on the same team, you know she would not have been able to restrain herself from being like, God, Claude, I hope you're okay and will be okay for the race tomorrow. <laughs> yes, 100%. For sure. For sure. <laughs> you should get a good night's sleep and, you know, do whatever crying or that you need to. Do it now. Get it out, get it out of your system, out of your okay? System. We, uh, we need to make sure you're good for tomorrow. Yeah. I will sit here and personally supervise you until I'm sure that you've cried out all the water from your body. <laughs> then chug this Gatorade and get out on the slopes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, Dawn, again, has very little arc. She is clumsy, uh, fails at winter sports, falls over several times. Loses that monopoly also. <laughs> yeah. Like, she just can't catch a break. She's just got this run of bad luck. Yeah. And then she, like, later on, she re-enters all the sports and does quite well, but it's only mentioned in passing. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> I mean, her arc is pretty much that she r- realises that maybe she's letting what other people think of her get to her more mm. than she thought she would and maybe she isn't so independent and such a free thinker but nothing ever comes of that that's just it she thinks i better talk to my mom about this yeah and that's the end of dawn and that's it Mm -hmm. also she briefly has a fight with marianne and then they make up like less than 24 hours later yeah so it's fine yeah (laughs) yeah Anne was really not uh firing on all cylinders for this one i think Mm-hmm. yeah I mean these specials have got to be it's just the fact that everyone has to have a storyline and obviously there wasn't the time to actually do yeah storylines for everyone and Dawn's is particularly inexplicable Stacy's is light but coherent it's in character and it's coherent <laughs> yeah and it's it's kind of in a way it actually nicely like works with other stuff we've seen Stacy do where she has unsuccessful yeah. holiday romances yeah and then this one she has a successful one and that's fine and Pierre doesn't seem like a terrible person either um yeah. it's like it's it's a very slight storyline but her storyline is holiday romance yeah. with a dude named Pierre mm-hmm. done uh yeah like they she's very upset that they have to say goodbye at the end but like even that is very like heightened and romancy it's like they're having the last dance together and they don't want to say goodbye and they exchange numbers and like it's very um it's exactly what you would want out of a holiday romance as a teenage girl it's like all the feels you cry a bit you go home (laughs) you make out till your lips nearly fall off and then you go home it's fine (laughs) 
yeah, it, it's like, it's very nice. And it's like, there's nothing to it, but it does what it does well. Yeah. He also, so Pierre also gets a bit in the epilogue, which gave me one of like two genuine laughs mm-hmm. um, from this book. So yeah. uh, somebody else is reporting on the postcards TM. There always has to be the postcard section. Uh, and his to Stacy is, Dear Stacy, see, I told you we'd write. Thank you for your letter. I'll never forget our week at the lodge ev- either. It was the best one of my life. I love you. Bill. Just kidding. This is me, Pierre, of course. (laughs) I love that you would say, I love you, and then sign it with fake (laughs) Yes. This is such a goofy 13-year-old boy. Yeah. Um, I'm not... The the person reporting, I think it's Marianne. Yeah, it's Marianne. Priscilla says, I'm not sure I would write I love you on a postcard where the mailman and your mother could see it. Yeah, the mailman (laughs) must not know that a teenager has a crush on another teenager. Yes. These things are too shameful. Well, I mean, if I was Marianne and my parent was Marianne's father, I would also not want anything <laughs> yes. like that on a postcard that might be read by my father. <laughs> Dear Pierre, in future, please write I-L-U instead of I love you. <laughs> or maybe spell love L-U-V. <laughs> Send some postcards to this dead drop. Um, you can't contact <laughs> yeah. me at my house anymore. <laughs> Dear Marianne, I don't want to go out with you anymore. <laughs> I just can't keep up. There's too many logistics involved. Are we going to have to do Marianne's storyline? Yeah, it that was so long and tedious. You know. Here's the other romance storyline. And it's so, like, oh my God. So well, Marianne's going to be the historian. She's for the trip. Can we drill down on that? Because <laughs> the, everybody says this. Like, the trip historian is a known role on a class trip. Marianne's going to be the historian for the trip. Except... Marianne does have the revelation that there's never been a historian before. Maybe no one else was as dorky as me. <laughs> yes. I I love that. I love that so much. So the thing is that all the um there are a bunch of things that you can volunteer for which give you extra credit TM and uh <laughs> Christie's insane kind of dictator act is apparently one of the things that will get her extra credit. Uh, and so, yes, Marianne has volunteered to be the historian as described. Um, it's in, it's not that she's just decided she's going to LARP as a historian, although that's kind of what she's doing. Yeah, no, it's an option every year, but no one ever takes it until her hand comes along. <laughs> yes. Because you have to write an essay. Like, <laughs> Claudia gets extra credit for judging an art contest and Christie gets extra credit for being a bossy cow (laughs) these are things they would do naturally (laughs) well marianne would be a dork about local history naturally it's what she does she has to write it up now that's true yeah but she this involves actual work um i just i'm so upset by this like why would you expect a child to do a history project about your hotel? Like, that's... Who came up with this as a role? Marianne did go for it. And it isn't like some child has to be shoehorned into <laughs> doing this every year. They seem to have offered it in previous years and got no takers. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you or I were bringing 382 tweens on holiday... Oh my God. How long would we have to brainstorm before we came up with the idea of let's suggest one of them does a history project about the hotel? I'm guessing that at some stage, right, there was a set of teachers at Stony Brook Middle School trying to come up with stuff for the kids to do to earn extra credit for this trip so they could pretend it was educational and um, get the school board to allow it or whatever. And they basically just did. They just sat there in the staff room writing random things and then be like but maybe they were like we don't have anything for the nerds though (laughs) 
and they were like, "Oh, we could run. Someone could run a table quiz." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but instead of doing oh. that like, I mean that would have been a better thing to do so much better I know but instead of that they were like uh, someone could do like uh, it's an old hotel someone could do a history project on the hotel I guess counter suggestion mm-hmm. they were on holiday with Marianne last year <laughs> <laughs> and in the same vein that um, Christy has been <laughs> overseeing <laughs> just whipping everybody into shape they're like she is going to read guidebooks at us until we give her a specific thing to do. Maybe we can get her to actually write an essay <laughs> and therefore be away from us writing instead of talking at us. Because of the 382 children, or three children that we brought with us last year, she was the most obnoxious. Okay, that absolutely <laughs> makes sense, yes. Yes, I accept this. This is this okay. is why there's a historian. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, there was no historian last year. Uh, yeah, they hadn't, they hadn't come up with it yet. Yeah, this is just a Marianne containment strategy. <laughs> yes. So yes, Marianne um, is, however, in a mood. She wakes up feeling all wrong. Uh, she babysits mechanically like a robot who has been programmed to perform. <laughs> she sits down to read some history. Uh, the lodge has a big library. Um... I pulled several books off the shelf, piled them on an end table and curled up in an armchair to start taking a few notes. Most of the books covered boring things like population statistics, agricultural information, weather and weather patterns, plus a lot of stuff about how to make maple syrup. (laughs) This is not what your guests want to read on their holiday. (laughs) The Georges. So she does uncover that there is allegedly the ghost of Leicester Lodge and she gets very excited. Yeah. Goes off to interview the elderly staff of the hotel. Nobody wants to talk about ghosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says that everyone clams up and it seems like they're all like hiding something. This goes nowhere. Yeah. It goes fucking nowhere. Yes. <laughs> I'm so mad at this. I know. I was so excited because I was like, oh, I don't remember a ghost. Awesome. There's going to be a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's no ghost. I love ones when there's a ghost. There's a very half-assed voyage of self-discovery. <laughs> which is not what you want when you've been promised a ghost. Exactly. Yeah, even if there wasn't a ghost, even if there had been like some sort of, ah, here is why people thought there was a ghost, like with the yeah. both bridges washed out house or whatever. That would have been fine. But there was nothing, no mystery, no ghost, just like, nah, it's just old. Mr. George tells you that some guy once died there. And then some people said really generic ghosty tropey things had happened, like doors opening by themselves. And he's like, but also I've lived here for decades and never seen anything. Also, the cook once saw some laundry and thought it was a ghost. And that's the resolution of the ghost story. And yeah. like, that is not a resolution. That's nope. a midpoint <laughs> in the ghost story. Yes. That's why did you bring up a ghost, in fact? This is Chekhov's ghost, okay? <laughs> That's the bit where it seems like there's no ghost and then something else happens that isn't explained by the explanation we've been given and Marianne has to reopen the investigation and it turns out ghosts are real. Yeah. We could, literally all we needed was one of the elementary schoolers to be frightened by something that wasn't explained. Do you know what we need? That would have been fine. We need the rogue scream in the night that went missing from the house in Maine. (laughs) Yeah. We needed it to turn up here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm never not mad about that. (laughs) <laughs> no yeah storylines just kind of go walk about <laughs> you know what they wrote these books thinking that they'd get away with it 
Little did they know that just a whole fuck ton of different podcasts <laughs> would be scrutinizing every detail 30 years after they were published. Yeah, millennials have zero chill and a lot of time on their hands. <laughs> They didn't predict the pandemic. Yes. <laughs> oh no. The girl's plot is such bullshit and it is the thing I'm... It's not the thing I'm most offended by in this book because no. we still haven't yes. got to the offensive plot but it's the most disappointing plot. Like, yeah. what is even... Yeah, it's Chekhov's unsatisfying ghost and <laughs> I'm so mad. Yeah. Also, Marianne meets her PE teacher from last year who she thought didn't like her but it turns out the PE teacher doesn't mind her uh, yes that's a that's a whole journey as well <laughs> yeah. Esther has summarised it in, it in its entirety I mean that's it that's the journey yep yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Marianne sits around like dramatically pining over Logan um, <laughs> this is maximum teenage girls love the drama she she writes the most ridiculous letters my dearest Logan, you can't possibly know how much I miss you. My thoughts are with you and only you every second of every day. During the night you fill my dreams. I cannot bear to be apart from you. Then she pictures him having an affair in Aruba. <laughs> yeah. Many times. She's consumed with jealousy about the imaginary girl in Aruba that he's hanging out with. Yeah. That yeah. she has invented. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She writes a six page letter only. The last page is just X's and O's. So I'm not sure you can count that, honestly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, does not do enough project. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to pull up some more of her letters because they're so stupid. I actually (laughs) could not read them. I was just cringing too hard. I knew you would have that response. I read the first couple and was like, yeah, that's fine. They're so bad. I mean, feel free to read them now. Torture me if you must, but oh my God. Oh yeah, I'm going (laughs) to torture you. Uh, Dear Logan, light of my life, she writes. That's a hymn. That's not a love letter. (laughs) That's something you say to Jesus. (laughs) Logan, Jesus, it's basically the same thing. Logan phones her up from Aruba, uh, which like his parents must be fucking loaded. Yeah. I'd say they are fucking sick of him. (laughs) (laughs) He's probably behaving the same. Yeah. Yeah. Here's $30. (laughs) Go phone her. Shut up. stop moping I also love that at the start she said it was good they were going on holiday because if she'd stayed in Connecticut she would have just moped around the whole time and then proceeds Uh to do exactly that only in Vermont yeah (laughs) I know there's another letter sorry guys just give me one second that's alright I don't know why I'm encouraging you this is just going to be torture well yes (laughs) I'm glad we all have um, our we've set expectations (laughs) yeah I'm going to read cringe things. Aoife is going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to enjoy how uncomfortable Aoife is. Normally I make Karen uncomfortable. <laughs> it's a bit of a novelty to torture Aoife. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> My dearest darling Logan, how I miss you. How I pine for you. How I yearn and long for you. My life is not the same without you. You are in my every thought during the day and my every dream during the night. I paused. Maybe I was going a little overboard. I didn't want Logan to think I wanted to marry him or something. So I turned to a blank page and started another letter. Dear Logan, I miss you. How is Aruba? Leicester Lodge is fine. Having a wonderful time. Wish you were here. Well, that was pretty dumb. That was the kind of card you would send when you'd gone to some dinky tourist trap and were writing to someone you barely knew, like an 85-year-old great aunt who has blue hair and stuffs Kleenex up her sleeves. (laughs) Has blue hair and stuffs Kleenex up her sleeve? Is a phrase that has stuck in my brain since I first read this in 1994. It's it's a very good turn of phrase. It is. In fairness, though, at any given 
time of day or year I probably have at least two tissues stuffed up my sleeve (laughs) I also didn't understand why this was an old person thing because my mother almost had Kleenex in her sleeves because she had small children yeah mine too these days you can interpret that as like a a like probably genderqueer progressive like climate change activist granny she has blue hair yeah 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 blue hair and pronouns granny pronouns granny is what i want to be when i grow up now good good life good a good aim good goal i like it yeah oh um are we done roasting Marianne? Um, I think so. No, I have I have one thing I want to say about the gym teacher storyline before we move on, if that's okay. Um Oh please do. So uh she, she encounters uh Miss Halliday, who is the teacher in question. As you can probably imagine though, Christy and Miss Halliday get along extremely well. Usually gym instructors don't have teachers' pets, but Miss Halliday was an exception, really. Why why would you assume gym teachers don't have teacher's pets marianne why would you think that that's such a weird maybe because she's never been in the running for it that is not my experience of gym teachers it's it's just a it's a completely baseless statement really is (laughs) i'm recalling all sorts of stories that can't go into the finished podcast about your your sister being our gym teacher's unwilling teacher's pet why can't this go into the podcast karen (laughs) Because you you keep refusing to <laughs> to write the tell all biography like autobiography that I keep asking for. Okay, well then, yeah, let's have this story about how <laughs> this teacher nominated your sister to be her teacher's pet. No, she was like a reverse teacher's pet. My sister was so bad at PE that after her first ever PE class in that school, she was given a lifetime exemption from PE uh, because she was so hopeless. Oh, I. Ass- Esther, I assume that was a privilege. <laughs> no, that was a like. Let's just save you and yourself, uh, yourself and everyone around you from your ineptitude. Okay, no. How do you get that? How? how yeah. What do you have to do? I don't how know. Do that work? Want to know? Future generations need to know how this works. Yeah, no. This was supposed to be a punishment to make my sister feel ashamed, but my sister was like amazing but then it turned out that she was gonna have to be like the teacher's like minion so she'd have to do things like uh sew the gym bibs when they got torn and stuff um she's also not good at sewing um (laughs) and like make the teacher's coffee and stuff so what the hell is this petty labor for being crap at pe (laughs) i'm pretty sure you're not meant to do that Oh no, you're absolutely not. But I still would have taken it as a gift and a blessing. Yeah, but no. When the, when this happened to my sister, it was definitely supposed to be a punishment. I I sometimes have dreams that I have been skipping PE and now I have to go and punitively do PE. And I'm like, oh my god, I have been skipping PE for twenty years though. <laughs> so I guess this is fair. It's fine. Just fake having your period and get out of it. She didn't let, let us off for that stuff, did she? <laughs> Well, I think if you had enough neck to go up and say that you had your period real bad and it really hurt, she'd like look very disappointed and let you sit on the bench. But the only really cast iron way out of it was to forget your PE gear, which I did a lot. Oh, I did that so much. Yeah, Yeah, we all, that's just what happened. Like, (laughs) and like you would get like wealthy reprimanded for it and that would be fine. (laughs) It's like... That's the price I'm willing to pay. So willing. <laughs> so yeah, that's Marianne. She's a pain in the ass. Eventually, Dawn comes to her for sympathy because everyone's being mean to her and she lost at Monopoly. And Marianne completely ignores her. They have a fight. They make up. Mm-hmm. That's that. 
There is no ghost. Ghosts are not real. Yeah. Okay, we can't put it off any longer. We have to talk about Jesse. <laughs> okay. Poor Jesse. Oh my god. <sighs> Let's just give this as short shrift as possible and then talk about the talent show, which is actually fun. Cool. The talent show is the good bit of Jesse's plotline. Yeah. So um this kid Pinky. Whose real name is Priscilla. The kid on the bus who ought to have had frostbite but instead had a sprained ankle. Yeah. Her storyline is tedious, heavy-handed and problematic. So <laughs> yep. we're gonna yeah, we're gonna do it fast. Yeah, so she is in a foul humor. Pinky, that is. Pinky, sorry, yes. Um uh Pinky is having to sit around um not going out and doing sports because her foot is a bit not fully back to normal. Um due to the sprain and not frostbite that she has. Uh, and Jesse has kind of a fit of nerves at all the winter outdoor sports, thinking, what if I injure myself too? Um, and if that impacts on my dancing, I'm worried about this. So she instead volunteers to stay in and mind Pinky. But Pinky is being a little shit. Yeah, yeah basically. Uh, and they, they have a series of like more and more acrimonious exchanges where Jesse is trying to babysit her and be nice to her and Pinky is just rude and unpleasant. Yeah. Um and eventually uh Jesse gives up and tells her to read a book and leave her alone. Um and has some specific concerns that maybe Pinky is um is in the same box as the horrible neighbors that yeah. we are hearing about for the first time. We knew that the Ramses had experienced some racist bullying in Stony Brook, but this is a real specific um dare I say it. Oh no, they were mentioned in the in in the first book where Jesse appears. Is this fleshing that out a bit more though? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. With property values and everything. Yeah, they're the horrible neighbor that the the woman made her daughter go back yep. in the house. Yeah. So Pinky at one point says, quit talking to me because uh, she's cross and wants to be left alone. And um, Jesse says, quit talking to her. Now, who did that remind me of? Oh, yes. The woman across the street from us in Stony Brook. She will not allow her daughter, who's only a little younger than my sister, Becca, to talk to me or Becca or anyone in our family because we're black. Yeah, actually, we did see that yeah. Yeah. specific thing occur. But the line, she's even threatened to move out of her house, saying that a black family in the neighborhood makes the property values on all the houses go down. She says she'll have to sell quickly before her house is worthless. I hope she leaves soon. <laughs> Yeah, yeah fair that's that is that's new yeah, yeah that's new this, this is um, a new detail but yeah so yeah jesse starts to wonder if pinky is being a bitch because she's racist but it turns mm-hmm. out pinky's just being a bitch yes <laughs> and then jesse decides that maybe thinking someone is racist is almost as bad as being racist and she has to go home and confess all to her mother oh my god yeah, yeah. this is just and i think so... one of the things about this that got me as well was mallory is the one going i don't know maybe you're reading too much into this mm. and then she's right yeah because you know it's basically like i hope jesse learned a valuable lesson yeah just ew. yeah it's uh, the, like everything about this is hateful it's so bad um jesse's specific line is um why was it that i'd overlooked all that so it was pinky's what she's actually suffering from is homesickness not that we have any way of determining that or that jesse did but however was it because of the bad experiences i'd had in stony brook with our neighbors probably but did that mean i was prejudiced in some way now i hoped not but i knew i would need to, to have a long talk with my parents when i returned from leicester lodge and i hope i wish we'd had that talk yeah. in which jesse's parents reassure her that no honey systemic racism is still a thing and your instincts weren't wrong yeah you're, yeah. you're a bit traumatized by all the racism you've encountered 
that doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah. Uh, and like, it's also nice that this white kid who was mean to you apologised. <laughs> yeah. Like, because she fucking should have done yeah. if she was being like a prick. Horrendous. Yes. Um, yeah. So that's just like, oh my God. Yeah. That was terrible. <laughs> Why did you leave that there, Anne? Why? This is not the equivalent of the racism that Jesse has no. experienced and described in specific detail. <laughs> it was just not a storyline that should have been in this book. No, none of this should ever have happened. No. Um, I was like, is there some... Was Anne under some kind of pressure from the white folks who bought these books in the 80s to be like, well, but can you show the other side of the coin as well? Oh, God. <laughs> I know. Like, I think this this honestly just smacks of, like, well-meaning, but has not talked to a single black person about this at all. Yeah. That should not have been a plot line. <laughs> it just shouldn't have been. No. It's, 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 this is one of the worst things I've seen because it's it's not even like the depiction of a character behaving badly. Yeah. It's like the the narrator yeah. giving you a bad message to take yes, home with yes. you. Like it is terrible and bad and wrong. And it would never happen in the TV show. No. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully. <sighs> anyway, the other part. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Uh thank God, yes. <laughs> There's also a talent show. Uh, to round out the winter carnival and Jessie heroically is running the entire thing herself which is a terrifying <laughs> amount of responsibility to give an 11 year old um, so she is she wants to uh, get all the kids to do an entertaining show and also she is very explicit about the fact that she wants to show off her own abilities I, I like that good for um, her yeah. it's a good mix of like um, I was really, uh, I really thought it would be a great place to do my own show piece. And also I wanted to ensure that there would be at least one piece in the show. Yes. Because I wasn't sure if anyone was going to show up to this thing. And I think that's completely fair. Like That's very relatable. But also I had decided that this was my personal right as talent show coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. Come on. Yeah. Like... Take the limelight. She, yeah. She's very clear. She wants to impress everyone and... This is going to give her a platform. <laughs> so, yeah, something that Anna Merton does really well is kids with weird, terrible talents. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. The first one. Can we talk about Davina? Yes. <laughs> I have it here. Will I read it? Go for yes. it. Yeah. So Jessie is in the throes of watching people do their talents. <laughs> and I'm doing air quotes when I say that. Okay. First number I said up on stage. The seventh grade girl, Davina, walked nervously onto the stage, sang some song called Stop Picking on the President, and then played a couple of choruses on a harmonica with one hand while waving an American flag with the other. I wrote her name on a pad of paper and put a big no next to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sucks to be Davina. <laughs> Davina was definitely in the Capitol on January 6th. Like <laughs> yeah. She 100% was. Who this have been it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if it was reagan or bush or fucking clinton no either way she's a fucking bootlicker (laughs) it doesn't but it would have been bush yeah i love her performing for the black theater director who was like yeah thank you honey thank you for coming really appreciate your time respect authority we love the status quo 
<laughs> close the door on your way out. Oh my god, like a harmonica with one hand and waving an American flag with the other. It's just the most garbage talent ever. Also, she's in seventh grade and Jesse is the the sixth grade yeah. Yeah. talented. Like oh yeah. Oh, this is just such a good moment, it almost makes the rest of the book worth it. It's such a short incident, it is so economical, it's a couple of sentences and it is fucking perfect. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Um yes, and we have Alan Gray and his friend Rog Somerset. We never hear about Rog Somerset ever again. Yes, well I think he's gone back to Yale at the end of the week. <laughs> <laughs> With his top hat. Yes. Which is only it's only kind of there for the vaudeville sketch that they're doing. <laughs> yes, they do vaudeville comedy routines because that's what all the 13-year-olds were into <laughs> in 1989. Um, ditto a bunch of girls lip-syncing to the Andrews sisters. <laughs> I know, this is a weird vintage vibe. And then there's the dude, Very who, vintage. The dude who dresses in drag and does an, a scene from I Love Lucy. Yes! Like... <laughs> I would be here for watching all of these things, although I would definitely not get the references. But well, like, but it's, it's you know, yeah, why not? <laughs> we are adults who have the perspective to find this like hilarious in a kind of meta sense. It would just be yeah, that's true. Deeply baffling to thirteen year olds <laughs> and embarrassing. Yeah. Why are you dressed as Lucille Ball? Why do you have a Lucille Ball costume? I think the most kind of current, I suppose, evergreen one is um the, this boy who could play all of Doe a Deer with his armpit. <laughs> I love him. Yes. I want more of him. I don't. I don't think he got into the show. I don't think he did. It was sad. She yeah. She makes him participate in a different act. She won't let him do it. <laughs> the flugelmeister though. The yeah, flugelmeister. Fucking legend. An eighth grade boy who built himself as the flugelmeister juggled three bananas while playing a kazoo and balancing a ski boot on his head. <laughs> that is Doctor Seuss level. Okay. Yeah. He would be killing it on TikTok. <laughs> Yes. I kind of feel like he would probably... It's just a show. It's not a competition. So that's okay. Um, But I feel like he'd be in the running to actually win it. Yes. Yeah. He was juggling. Come on. like That's very... I mean, juggling and playing a kazoo and balancing a ski boot on his head. <laughs> yes. Like, I love how he needs something to balance on his head and it's curious ski boots. Yes, it's gonna be it's all he had. Like yeah. it's a thing that's there. That is that is some impressive motor skills. Um mm -hmm. yeah, as I discussed previously, that like if I had seen a teenage boy wearing Alan Gray's alligator hat, I would have instantly fallen in love with him. I would also at this age have fallen in love with the Flugelmeister. <laughs> I guarantee it. I think the vaudeville routine might also like the jokes are really stupid, but just the sh the chutzpah required to pull <laughs> yes. off, maybe you yeah to dress up, put on your top hat, and go do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a there's a charm to that. I can yeah, I can see why you know Alan Gray is a beloved character. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's such a weird niche skill that Anna Martin has that like she's really good at writing kids trying to do things in a talent show. Oh yeah. yes! Oh my God! We have, we also have Terry Morgan who wanted to dress up like Father Goose and recite nursery rhymes in Italian. Italian, very very specific. So specific. There would be so little in this for anyone in the audience. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to alienate everyone in one go. Yeah. Like the audience wouldn't even know there were nursery rhymes. No, it could be literally anything. Like, oh, that kid speaks Italian. Apparently. <laughs> And how do you dress up as Father Goose? <laughs> well, no one can say you're not dressed up as Father Goose. 
I'm dressed up as Father Goose right now. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I love these random things she comes out with. Mm. Yeah, so she lets him MC the show because she won't let him. <laughs> so, endless nursery runs in Italian. Oh, yes. Also, the teachers fucking showboat. Yes. <laughs> elaborately. They they decide that they want to sing a medley of 50s doo-wop hits, which good for them. Apparently the math and social studies teachers can actually harmonize. Then they modify the lyrics so it's about kids and teaching and Lester Lodge and the Winter War. But they go on for seven minutes. Yeah, that's that seemed really long. So long to listen to your teachers singing. And like they kind of told Jesse, listen, uh, you've got 45 minutes of the show. Our act is seven minutes. So <laughs> Everyone else in the show has 38 minutes. <laughs> Maybe Jesse was like, well, we have a vaudeville thing going on already. So I'm just going to get the hook. And if the teachers are bombing <laughs> out there, I'm just going to, yes. I'm just going to yank them off the stage and they're just going to have to, um, it's my stage direction and they'll just have to deal with it. I feel like, yeah filking for seven minutes counts as like that's hook worthy <laughs> yeah i'm also picturing like that episode of the simpsons where the teachers have a talent show and mrs krabappel is singing sexily dressed only in balloons oh, no. <laughs> oh my god then she's gotten the conway cove kids to um put on a sketch about their teachers where they make fun of everyone uh which like that was such a fucking gamble. That could have gone so badly. Yeah, they're not your teachers from your school. Yeah, you don't know what's fair game and what's not. Yeah. But it's well received, even though they make fun of a teacher called Miss Wyndham who once got a grape stuck up her nose, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like like a a very fair game thing to make fun of. I think if I was a teacher, I probably would be relieved if that was the worst thing that was yes. like the worst way in which I had yeah. humiliated myself in front of the class. Because like I can picture us trying something like this and like massively misjudging it and getting in a ton of trouble. Esther you and I were both in a play in which we masqueraded as teachers from our school and like I was it was in a language that I do not speak <laughs> If you recall. It was scripted for us by another teacher, so, you know, the dialogue was never going to be too mean. That's... Even at the time, I was like, though, I, I don't know how good these jokes are going to be. <laughs> well, I'm not sure I trust this Irish teacher to, like, give a balanced, nuanced portrayal of these other teachers. Why were you in an Irish language play? I used to go to the, the Irish club because all my friends were in it. <laughs> oh. And I used to eat lunch with them. We mostly just played Jenga. Okay. <laughs> but yes, we also put on a play about uh, a Rose of Tralee parody that where we all played teachers competing in it. Nice. Nice. <laughs> it was pretty fun, but I, I think like basically everyone got their single best friend to turn up and that was <laughs> the entire yeah. audience. Yes. That's fair. Yeah. It was unfortunate if your best friend was also in the play. Yes, which was the case for us. So very few people ever saw it. Just as well, really. Oh God, it will be on YouTube these days. <laughs> oh Christ. <laughs> Esther wrote out my lines for me with the accent marks on the bits where I was supposed to have like stress. Yeah. So I did not know what I was saying. Oh bless. Ah, memories. So yeah, I think Jesse's thing comes off a bit better. 
Um, yeah, also, that's... Marianne, like 10 minutes prior to the talent show, realizes she's been completely unhelpful to everybody and decides that the skit that Jesse has been rehearsing with the kids is too <laughs> juvenile for a bunch of elementary kids to put on. Oh my God. So she writes a heartfelt, like, up its own arse dramatic play about a girl breaking up with her boyfriend and um, gender politics, TM. And Jesse is like, no, we're not going to stage this. Sorry. Jesse is far, far more, like, understanding and sort of considerate of Marianne's obvious feelings that she has written into this play <laughs> than it deserves. Yes. Um, yep. She reads it and she restrains her laughter. <laughs> and she's like, well, I probably won't get the kids to learn a new fucking skit in the next half an hour. <laughs> yes. Um. But thanks. Thanks for this. And Marianne's like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I guess this probably isn't very helpful and... Jesse doesn't go, you fucking thing. <laughs> I've got to go and do fucking lighting. Yeah, Jesse is an absolute saint in this scene. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, poor Jesse. She has clearly had to put up with so much. Like, I know. Like, if anybody deserves a smack across the face, it's Marianne. Like, <laughs> yes. Marianne is actually, like, she's brutal in this. Like, yeah. Christy is at least within normal Christy parameters the fuck is going on with Marianne here? She's a lunatic. Yeah, she's just awful. We kind of skimmed over Mallory's non-plot very quickly, but I would just like to observe that at one point she convinces herself that the cook is poisoning everybody and tells no one and does nothing about it. And then after yeah. a couple of days is like, well, no one's died. So I guess maybe I was wrong about that. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um. She's like, okay, I'm going to spy on everyone even though we did this in a previous book yes. and it kind of worked fine there, but don't do it again. And then she's like, yeah, but I'm not going to get caught. And I'm also not going to write ridiculous thing, things where I make inferences about things that clearly aren't happening. And then she's like, I saw the cook putting something from a jar into the stew and clearly it's poison. <laughs> and then yeah. afterwards she's like, oh, I guess people also keep Parmesan cheese in a jar. So it was probably that. <laughs> it was probably that. Yeah. Um. So that's the thing that she's doing. Yeah, and also she doesn't want to go to the dance and then it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like, I can absolutely relate to, like, social anxiety and nervousness about going to a dance and her idea that, like, the whole thing will be way more bearable if she has, like, a task to do at the time to cover for her nervousness. Yeah. But she mm. went on about it so much that I was so out of patience with her. Like, she hopes that the whole trip will get snowed off and they have to be evacuated or that the hotel will catch fire or everyone will get malaria. And I'm like, Get over yourself. Oh, no, I actually really did sympathize with that level of I, I just would <laughs> like everyone to die so that I don't, including myself, so that I don't have to go to that dance. <laughs> I would have just been absolutely miserable all week at the thought of the dance as well. Um, and yeah, just like praying for a meteor to crush the hotel. Yeah, I'm probably being uncharitable, but I did find like, Mallory hoping everyone else's holiday would be ruined so that she didn't have to attend a dance it was like a bit much. <laughs> I mean, she did consider faking being sick and like she could have just done that. Yeah. She could have. Yeah. That's pretty straightforward. Yes. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> there there were ways out of this. Anyway, yes, mm -hmm. uh kindly like 
generic background boy turns up and dances with her all evening and and she's like oh all of a sudden this is fine like yes heteronormativity cures all the ills <laughs> yep <laughs> well i mean to be fair there was a little where she was also like i don't have any clothes to wear and jesse's like no no come on let's practice dancing just to claudia's tape recorder here in the here in the dorm and then she helps her pick out an outfit and you know so it's not just suddenly yes. there's a boy and she danced she's kind of gentled into the notion yeah. that it won't be so bad um by her friends but like yeah yeah so once again uh it's like female solidarity saves the day but more specifically jesse saves the day <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> jesse is by being incredibly self-sacrificing just carrying everyone here <sighs> yeah mm-hmm. which yeah <laughs> yeah yep um also, there's some weird quaint dance rules, like Stacy and her new boyfriend want to dance with each other all night, but they feel that it would be rude to seem too exclusive, so they dance with other people. And like, <laughs> is it 1815 all of a sudden? What the hell? Yeah. Where is your dance card? I need to inspect it, Stacy. Exactly. <laughs> if you dance with this guy more than twice, you're a hoe. And like, you have to marry him then. I laughed like a bit, I have to say, at um, Mallory's one of her specific fear about the dance where she's saying see I don't know how to dance and I hardly ever spend time with boys except for my brothers and boys that I babysit for and they don't count not in the game of boys (laughs) (laughs) yes in the game of boys you win or you die (laughs) apparently (laughs) I mean this this well predates Game of Thrones yeah but yeah she doesn't she neither wins nor dies disappointingly but she kind of wins i mean yeah i suppose yeah yeah. you don't embarrass yourself or you die (laughs) you don't embarrass yourself or you wish you died instead yes yeah okay yeah that's like the the teen friendly version of game of thrones game of boys (laughs) oh god game of boys sounds like the worst board game ever i mean isn't it basically just that game with the phone dream phone yeah Yeah. (laughs) i was just gonna say chris evans was one of the stock photo boys who was Chris oh, Evans? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> I actually I've just pulled up like one final note, which is an absolutely horrifying detail at the very end. So when Stacy has her tearful emotional goodbye to Pierre, um they at the end of the dance, they write their addresses on each other's hands, and Stacy resolves to never wash her <laughs> hand again. That is literally a joke from The Simpsons about how like your hand will be gross very quickly if you do that and then you should wash your hand (laughs) what the hell Stacey you have to inject yourself with that hand oh Oh, yes yeah I assume Stacey thinks the better of this very soon afterwards (laughs) I'd like to get deep like confirmation of that I me too (laughs) when I went to the ill-fated Neil Gaiman book sighting in like 2008 or 9 or something uh I was in the queue, which I eventually abandoned because it was so overcrowded um, to get my book signed. And I saw a very enthusiastic young man in there near me explaining to somebody that he was going to ask Neil to sign his arm so that he could then get a tattoo nice. directly over the signature. Like, yeah, that's how you do it, though, Stacey. <laughs> yeah. I got his address tattooed <laughs> on me. Here's address tattooed on the back of your hand. Yeah. yeah. You're on my mind. 23 years ago, he doesn't live there anymore. <laughs> you imagine? <laughs> I do like that at the end of all this, Marianne has enough self-awareness to know that she needs to censor out a bunch of her own behaviour before handing this record over to Logan. Yes. Oh my god. I, I just cannot imagine 
asking anybody, let alone my teenage boyfriend, to read this <laughs> level of crap. I know. Like, I'm relieved to hear that she didn't. Yeah. Like, they yeah. presumably got the like fun winter war and babysitting highlights. Yeah. I, I did a project. There is no ghost. <laughs> the uh, the um, kind of teaser notes by all the different babysitters in each chapter are also kind of engagingly uh, like, especially Dawn. Dawn is like, Marianne, you're not going to put all of this in yeah. the book, are you? Please censor bits of this out. It's embarrassing and personal. Also, yes. I had a horrible day and part of it was down to you, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does Logan really want to read this? This is the flimsiest excuse for their for this text existing that a babysitter's special has happened. I don't think this is as flimsy as let's give this to Watson and Elizabeth as a thank you gift, actually. I know. I mean, this is true for the main series, but specials really hammer it home. Just that I want to go back in time, grab Anna and Martin by the lapels, shake her lightly and say, the books, they do not need that kind of framing device. <laughs> They're not epistolary novels. <laughs> they don't have to be. Yes. Don't you see that it makes them worse? Just let it go. <laughs> it's bad and forced and we have to read this fucking handwriting. <laughs> yes. Especially Jesse's handwriting, oh my god. Cursive is very unfashionable in the 21st century and we're tired. And it displays real small on a Kindle. I'm reading this on my phone. My phone! Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I will say actually, um, this one has sketchy illustrations that are actually kind of fun. Yeah, I like them. I quite like those and they also display okay on a Kindle. That's good. Yeah, yeah they look plausibly like they were done by a 13-year-old. And I like that. Yeah, a talented 13-year-old in pen and ink like it's and they're fun yeah. they're not um yeah they're not hideous yeah yes. no, i like them I like more them. than we can say for some art <laughs> yes definitely um i think that's that's pretty much everything there are like no outfits in this book no what the hell yeah there's no outfits which is a real serious omission mm. um i'm not impressed by that i assume they would be on the level of lousy sexy flanders yeah <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like ski boots. Does this, like, Claudia do bring all her own ski gear? Yeah. And, like, it gets remarked on by Guy. But there's no descriptions of anything. Guy. Oh, somebody wears jeans and a red and white stripe top to the dance. That's what, okay, no, yeah. That's so because Mallory... Jesse was like, because Mallory was freaking out about this, and Jesse was basically like, here, here are some acceptable clothes you have. Just wear those. Jeans and a nice top. <laughs> it's a staple. It's fine. It's a winner for <laughs> a reason. It's a Ashling staple. <laughs> exactly. Um, can I mention actually though the the other thing that is like that is a a, a shitty piece of shit that shouldn't have been in the book? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, uh, mm. Marianne and the fucking fat shaming. Oh my god! Yes. yes. Yeah. Like this that also is unprecedented as far as I can tell yeah. because up till now, as we've commented, there are no fat people in Stony <laughs> yes. Books, or probably there are lots of fat people that it's just not remarked on, and that's fine. Like, um, yeah, but. Marianne notes in one of the like latter chapters where they're on their way home that um the boys on the bus are singing a very mean song one too many times and causing a teacher on board to yell at them so loudly his dentures fell out. I kind of laughed at that bit and then I was like, no, the actual, the actual song is has is a a song that is being used to mock a girl in the school. Yeah, for being fat. And Marianne comments on how it's really mean and they shouldn't be doing it. And then she says, however, the song didn't prevent Ethel from eating three Snickers bars on the way home. Yeah, what the actual fuck? Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you, Marianne? Yeah. What is your point here? Yeah. Like, are you trying to tell me that Claudia hasn't eaten the equivalent of three Snickers bars on that bus journey home? But it's fine because she's thin. Yeah. Mm. 
Yeah. As we have been told every single time, it's mm-hmm. fine. She's thin. Just one of her admirable features. Yeah. 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 And like, yeah. Like it's none of your fucking business what Ethel is eating. If you had been like the boys on the bus were being dicks and singing a rude song about somebody. And yeah. Like, yeah, fair. That's a, that's a story, but not being like, they're kind of right though. Like, yeah. fuck off, Marianne. Go home. Yeah. yeah. Sit in your hands. I mean, also, fuck off Anna Martin for, like, clearly this is supposed to be a hilarious punchline to the story. Mm. Like, yeah. no. That, that I think, was really shocking because she doesn't, she doesn't do that usually. Like, yeah. no. no. There's generally some awareness of who the oppressor is, yeah. <laughs> even if their approach to how to deal with the situation is misguided. Yep. Like, in this case, it's just like, ha ha, no, but she's actually fat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I hated that so much. Yep. Yep. And, like... Isn't Marianne supposed to be the softy, the sensitive one? one who cries all the time? Like, yeah. Do you know who I bet wouldn't have been a bitch about it? Jesse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even though all the discussion around Jesse and weight is problematic and upsetting, like, I bet Jesse wouldn't say something mean about Ethel. Yep. Anyway, we never ever hear about Ethel. Again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably for the best if that's how mm-hmm. she's going to be described. So. Yeah. 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 Justice for Ethel. Yeah. It would have been good if she'd shown up and smacked somebody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, yes, violence is the answer. Thank you for asking. <laughs> Karen, I think I know the answer to this, but can you tell us? <laughs> is everyone terrible in this? Uh, a large number of people are terrible. <laughs> the majority of the Babysitter's Club are terrible. I guess when you lock people in a <laughs> snowed in snowed in hotel in the mountains people go a little bit crazy it turns out um it's not as though any media could ever have predicted this before (laughs) well yeah if you send everyone to the overlook hotel i guess you're asking for trouble (laughs) yeah but they sent 380 of them and several other schools you know that should mitigate the whole thing there's plenty of crazy to go around yeah there's plenty of crazy um and what happens is everybody is slightly shit, except for Jesse. <laughs> is a fucking hero. And Stacy. But the narrative voice is shit. The narrative voice is shit. All the white people are shit. <laughs> yeah, Stacy's fine. Stacy's just getting some action. Um, it's grand. Stacy's living her best life. <laughs> Not hurting anyone. Yeah. As long as Stacy's getting enough action, she's fine. <laughs> Stacy and Pierre wearing the faces off each other. Uh, yes. I mean, that is absolutely it. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> The most important thing is, though, fuck Davina. Yeah, <laughs> fuck Davina. Pick on the president all you like. Yeah. That's the, the point of art is to be mean to the president <laughs> and anybody else who's like... Punch up! Punch know. up! Yeah, punch up. Yeah, uh, yeah fuck Davina. Flugelmeister forever. <laughs> Flugelmeister, the real MVP. Yes. <laughs> you juggle those bananas, kid. Yes. <laughs> also, I like to think that round the back of the auditorium afterwards, Doe-A-Deer guy got to perform Doe-A-Deer to a select audience. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I actually imagine that Doe-A-Deer guy was doing that every night to the, like, convulsive hysterical laughter of his dorm mates. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... I also notice um, there's one thing that we only vaguely touched on because there's so much other shit to talk about, but um, they have a storytelling and hot chocolate night, which sounds like kind of yes. fun, but the teachers are telling the most cliched yeah. historic ghost stories ever, including hook hand car. Yes. Yeah. And or hand hook car door. 
Yes. yes, that one. They tell that Only one. Only they tell it with no hook. I feel cheated. Yeah, he's, he's scratching through with his fingernails, which is like that. Like, is less ableist, but still ru- but ruins the, the, the story. <laughs> it's famously the story of the hook-handed man. Like, that's literally what folklorists call it. Yeah. It's not the story of the man with fingernails. I guess it's a regional variation, maybe. I guess, I guess. I did look up Three-Fingered Willy uh, to see... Like if that existed, mm-hmm. uh, I was very disappointed to find that stop picking on the president doesn't exist. I googled it, and all I got was the Babysitters <laughs> Club wiki. Um, Three fingered Willie is we do, we do get our ableism in that. It's a story oh, of a man right. who was like some kind of woodsman or logger or machinist, yeah. and uh, he was distracted by some meddling kids, and it caused him to chop off two of his fingers. And ever since, he hates kids who are out camping. So he will come and, like, scratch uh, three gashes in your tent with his three remaining fingers. Ah. Uh, cue your, your like, camping mates to <laughs> cut your tent up and freak you out. Exactly. I think it's popular with scouts on scout trips. Yeah, this makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the, um, the, the teachers have all just been reading The Vanishing Hitchhiker and they're just, like, bringing up all the staples. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's everything. I will plug our social media. <laughs> um, uh, what is the thing the podcasters say? Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing they say. I'm very tired. It's very late. It's late. Um, and we have social media. Uh, we are on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook as the podcast. Nope. We're on Instagram and Facebook and Tumblr as the podcast at Dawn's House. And we're on Twitter as a podcast Dawn. And you can email us at the podcast at Dawn's House at gmail.com. And in sum, where the fuck was the ghost? Yeah, where the fuck was the ghost? We want ghosts. Yeah. And always remember, in the game of boys, you win or you die. Take the cup up with you, okay? <laughs> I have to create content. <laughs> Our audience is waiting, Sophia. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> Jake just gave me a filthy look. <laughs> <laughs>